Welcome to the Mission Guys podcast, where we talk about anything related to leading transformation in the church. I'm Nick Jorgensen. And I'm Rick Pop, and we're missionaries at Acts 29. And it's our hope that we can help you as church leaders, as leadership teams, as leaders of families, leadership practitioners, to more effectively mobilize the church to achieve its mission. And today we're discussing leadership teams. This whole episode is going to be just sharing some thoughts, hopefully shedding some clarity and some some definitions on terms that we use a lot to really help provide you with that clarity that might, you might need to be able to build or g- further grow your leadership team to be excellent. With that, let's open in a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, what a gift it is to lead wherever you're calling us to right now. Father, wherever you've given us influence, be it friendships or families or organizations or parishes or dioceses or a team within an organization, Father, we just thank you that you invited us to this place. And we ask you, Father, that we would only do what you are calling us to do. King Jesus, we invite you into this conversation in a particular way right now. We ask you to be present in every word and thought as Rick and I discuss what a leadership team is and how to build one. Holy Spirit, come and fill this conversation, animate it. And for anyone who listens, Holy Spirit, we pray that they would be both inspired and renewed in their own minds and hearts as they listen and just as you move, Holy Spirit, in their lives, to encourage them, to give them new insight, new minds, to see what it is you're doing in them and in the people they lead. Come, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the Father, Amen. Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Nick. Beautiful prayer. I needed that one today. I think we both had a late night last night. I'm we're dialing, I'm dialing in from Green Bay, Wisconsin today, under the shadow of Lambeau Field, the frozen tundra. And um, you know, I needed that prayer to calm my mind and to to really ask the Holy Spirit to be here. So uh, for anybody listening out there, we might be a little bit uh, sound, maybe tired. I don't know, but uh, we might have some some uh, technical challenges. But hopefully, it sounds great. The first question, and probably the most important question to kick this off, is why even have a leadership team? Yeah, and it's a great question. You know, asking the why questions is huge. You know, so in this context, given our you know, not only you and I, but our whole team at Acts 29, our, you know, our, our backgrounds and parish and secular work and leading teams and being part of teams, um, kind of all that. And then the last three years in ministry, three and a half years, we've been walking with bishops and priests around the country. And there's some common, there's some common threads, you know, and a lot of times what's, what we see happening is a leader, a priest or a, a bishop in a particular way, they're kind of going it alone. You know, not all of them. Some of them are doing a great job, to be sure. But others who are struggling, they're kind of going it alone in a way that they might have a staff or a team with them. But there's certain areas, like in their heart, they know they're responsible for. And there's just it's, it's hard for them to invite people to shoulder that load. Even if it's their thing at the end of the day, you can still invite people to help you make decisions, help you think through things. And sometimes, you know, for a lot of good reasons and sometimes not so good reasons, we struggle to do that. So really to kind of sum up the why, why have a leadership team, we'd say this. Because leading a parish or a diocese is too big of an ask for one man. And shouldering the load of leadership with a small group of trusted people, right, your team, is a biblical approach to the mission of the church. This is 
true for uh, a pastor or bishop. It's true. This statement would be true for anyone in an organization, a principal. So regardless of where you lead, that's the why. And so it's been a surprise to me to see that not every bishop, pastor, superintendent have a leadership team. You know, they may have a staff, but they don't view as a leadership team in the way that we're describing it. And we'll describe it a little bit later in the discussion today, or even a, whether it's a superintendent, you know, a man or woman that is leading the schools and doesn't have what they could consider a leadership team, or even parents, parents, if spouses don't view themselves as working together as a partnership and a team, they're not succeeding. It, they're not succeeding. Those going it alone even if they're working together, they're going it alone, they're not succeeding. And, and I understand why it happens. You know, at times it's, you know, a, a pastor um, can't find the right people that they can build and have faith and trust in perhaps. Or on the other side, people just don't step up. They say, oh, that's the pastor's job. That's the bishop's job. So they don't step up. Or if they do step up, they take this position that says, I'm, quote, only a volunteer, or I'm just a volunteer. And so it's like, I'm not fully and I'm just a volunteer. And so what we're going to really press hard into is to say, you have to have a leadership team. And that goes for the leader and it goes for those people who are on that team. You need to become a team in order to succeed in leadership. Yeah. And as you were saying that, Rick, let me think of two, two things. You know, one is, um, you know, we, we understand that uh, the times we're living in have shifted radically you know, over the last few decades here. And so when it comes to priests and bishops in a particular way, people who do a ministry, we know that we've been trained and equipped for a different time in the church, which leadership looked different. Principles are the same of leadership, but leadership looked different. We're starting to see a lot more and more come out on leading with a team, how to build great teams. And that's great. And I think that's the, one of the things the Spirit's doing in the church right now is trying to re-equip our leadership to lead excellently. Yeah, can we talk about there's oodles and oodles and oodles, and we love leadership. We read all things on leadership. We've got some of our favorites, and we've recommended you know certain books, and and yet there, there's one book that also touches on leadership that you may have heard of, Nick. Yeah, what's that called? The uh, a Bible. No. <laughs> yes, yes, it, it so, has it references some leadership. So give yeah, us give us an example. You know, we were, we were when we were talking about this beforehand, Rick. It was it was kind of funny because it's like, hey, if the eternal Son of God the all-powerful creator of the universe, uh, the word made flesh, comes to earth and doesn't say, step aside, boys, I got it from here. He comes to earth which and he's there. Right? Which he, he could have done. done. Yeah. I mean, he single-handedly defeated the powers of sin and darkness. Let's, let's be clear about that. But yes, yes. He, he, to, to minister to the people of the world, he set up a structure. And really, you would say he built a team. Now, we know we're, team's not a biblical concept as such. It's, it's, it's family and it's body. And we want to be really clear about that. We advocate that teams don't stay teams. They become families and ultimately right. a body where they are, they are born in friendship and discipleship and seeing each other as siblings in Jesus Christ. So we, we advocate for that completely. But for this conversation, we're using the word team. And we would say Jesus came and built a team of 12 and actually expanded that. His model, we would say, is this. Uh, he had a one, which was Peter, right? His most trusted, closest compadre. He had a three, which would we'd say is the leadership team, Peter, James, and John, even among the 12, right? And then he had the 12 apostles, which we would say to a leader, that's your whole team, right? So you might say staff, 
the whole staff should be a team, both paid and unpaid. They should feel like a team together. That's the 12. And then Jesus had the 72. He commissioned the 72 to go out. And if you're thinking about it as a pastor in a particular way, you'd say, hey, this is probably the pews, right? Those those key leaders in the pews who are really helping drive the mission and vision of the parish, they're really equipping their their um, uh, their other disciples in the pews, they're raising them up, they're even doing the work of ministry to the world and reaching the lost and the nuns and the fallen away. So it's the one, the three, the 12, and the 72. That's a, a very simple model of leadership that's very practical and biblical. And, and we're not talking specifically about, oh, you need to have a one at times, it's great to have a one, and we recommend you consider having a one. If you have that con- closest confidant, or if you might be the one, if you're listening and saying, I'm the right-hand person to the bishop, or I'm I'm the one then that would step in and represent the, the pastor or the bishop or the superintendent when he or she and the superintendent is out of town or whatever. Um, and, that, and that three, you know, we'd recommend that that three, that leadership team, you know, if it's four, it's five, it's six, it's seven, that's very healthy. Once you get to eight, you're kind of on that outer edge of the size, but you've got a group there. And we'll talk more about that. But, you know, so that that leadership team, that's the team that you really rely on to have the inside discussions, the deepest family discussions and, and making decisions. And you rely on that input and perspective. And then that broader, like you said, you get that broader staff. You still love, in in the case of 12 for, for Jesus and the Apostles, um, you know, as a, as a group, and there's bickering among the group, and, and you'll address that, and then you go, go on to the broader numbers. So the concepts we think are very helpful. You know, another one that actually came out, it was in the, it was in the gospel and the, the 29th Sunday in Ordinary Time, where, where we had the, the story of, of Moses, and uh, the Israelites are going to battle the Amalekites, and, and it's a big battle, and, and Moses goes up on the mountain and he's got his arms up and he's praying and he's directing the troops. And every time his arms are up, they seem to be getting the better of the battle. And then his arms would go down, the Amalekites would be getting the better of the battle. So he's he's keeping his arms up. And there was there's both the real, you know, the real history of what happened. And then there's also the image of that that prayer and that it, it's that that model of praying at all times and the power of prayer. Well, he's an older guy. He's getting tired. So Aaron and her run up there, put a rock under him, have him sit down, put his hand and hold his hands up, you know, and that he needed help. That was his leadership team. So the reflection, uh, Peter Crave does a reflection on this. And let me just read it. It might take a second here, but it's worth it, I think. So basically his message was, we need each other. And, and, and Peter says, therefore, God sends us friends. The weakness of each individual that makes him need friends is really a power. The minus is a plus, a blessing, because friendship itself is a great power and a great blessing. We need others, not just to do the work we cannot do alone, but for themselves, not just for the sake of the work, but for the workers, for friendship's sake. We need others' friendship even more than we need their work. Our need for their work, their cooperation, is a part of our larger need for their friendship. Friendship is a test of our humility. Satan has no friends because the proud resent their dependence on friends. The humble do not. The Bible says Moses was great because he was humble. Quote from Numbers, Now the man Moses was very humble, more than anyone else on earth. 
Meekness and humility are strengths because they open us to others and their help. And those others include inferiors as well as superiors. Aaron and her were less than Moses in many ways. Moses was the greatest of the prophets. But on this day, Moses was dependent on Aaron and her as much as they were dependent on him. I just love it. Uh, it's uh, Thank you, Peter Craig, for putting that together. That is, that's it. I mean, life, period, is really a team sport. You cannot do life alone. You cannot lead an organization alone. You need each other. We need each other. It's how we were made. Yeah, you and know, before I, we I, jump off of Nick, before we jump off of Moses, he even even before this, I believe it was when when his father in law saw Moses trying to do it all alone, and and he sees this this long line of people outside of the tent where Moses is ministering to single every single person, and it, and Jethro, his father in law, says basically, "You're an idiot. You're trying to do this alone." And, and he said, you need help. And, and then Moses also had a leadership model, much like you described with Jesus. He said, I'm going to go out and start, you know, employing others to help in the ministry together. And the more he gave of them, the more he received and the more he grew as a leader as well. Yeah, I mean, right there, the, the heart of that message is Moses was leading alone. He was exhausted and worn out. And so he wasn't leading well because exhausted and worn out any of us doesn't give other people our best. We start to lose our charity. And so Moses raising up others is now the burden gets lifted. The people of God get served well, and you have much more life. And so that's the same principle for a pastor, a bishop, or any lay leader. You know, I, right. I, I, I wanted to say that um, the numbers quote, when you were reading uh, Peter Craft, that just yeah. really struck me. You know, he was the most humble man on earth. More than uh, anyone else on earth. And, and for, for someone like that, greatest leader, most humble man. Does that define leadership? I think it does. Oh gosh. Yeah. And that's so another episode coming up at some point here, what makes a great leader? We'll probably start with Moses being the most humble yeah. man. on All right. We could keep going on this. This is fun. We know there's other episodes on a lot of topics of leadership. We're both so passionate about it, but let's really get into the terms. We want to just give some clarity, right? There's a lot of definitions on a lot of different terms in leadership, but for the sake of this conversation, we want to throw a few definitions out there to help you in your conversations with your teams, but also to just set the context for how we talk about leadership teams. So the first definition we want to just throw out there is very basic and functional, the definition of leadership. Now, leadership, again, tons of definitions out there. You could make a lot of arguments. We don't want to get stuck there. But if you were to define leadership in one word, you'd say probably influence is the one word you would use to define leadership. Throw it into a sentence, we would say something like this. Leadership is influencing a group of people to respond to and accomplish some desired end in a unified and organized fashion. I'll repeat that for you. Leadership is influencing a group of people to respond to and accomplish some desired end in a unified and organized fashion. Don't need to spend a lot of time on this right now, but there's a, there's a good simple one for you. Now, in the church, we talk about charisms, right? We're not going to define those right now, but charisms are gifts given to us by God for the building up of the church. So the charism of leadership is that we would say is the capacity to discern a vision from the Lord, win people to it, and raise up others who can make the vision a reality. I'm going to repeat that one more time. The charism of leadership 
is the capacity to discern a vision from the Lord, to win people to it, and to raise up others who can make the vision a reality. Okay, so we define leadership, we define the charisma leadership, we want one more definition here, and that's the most important for this conversation, and that's what is a leadership team? So a leadership team is a small group of people, four to six, no more than eight, led by the pastor or the bishop, who are collectively responsible for discerning and executing the vision and the strategy of the parish. So it's a small group of people, four to six, no more than eight, led by the pastor or bishop, who are collectively responsible for discerning and executing the vision and strategy of the parish, the diocese, if it's a layperson, a school, an apostolate. All right. And so what it's not is it's not a committee. You know, there's a purpose for certain committees, but we really don't see much value in committees, but maybe you need one, but that's not what this is. It's not an advisory group. It's not a consultative body. It's not a personal support group for the leader. It should be very supportive, but it's not there simply to support the leader. And it's not a position of status or authority. Mm, that's a big one. I've worked with boards and we've, we've dealt with certain teams. They ex- Some expect to be served rather than to serve. And that's really hard to work with. Yeah, Rick, you were just talking about a board you recently witnessed. You know, you could you could tell right away they 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 were there to be served, and it was not going to be a successful group. Anytime someone has the mentality, "I'm here to be served," you're not going to be successful in your leadership. And this is biblical, right? Mark ten, Mark ten forty two and following, to be specific. Jesus says to his disciples, "You know that among the Gentiles." Those whom they recognize as their rulers lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. Whoever wishes to be great among you must be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Mark 10, 42 nails it. There is no such thing as leadership apart from servant leadership. The only way to lead a team or a parish or a diocese or any organization is to lead in such a way as to serve the needs of those whom you lead and not to have your needs served. This reminds me of a line. I'll steal a line from our friend Patrick Lencioni who said uh, he's tired of hearing people say servant leader. Yeah. (laughs) And I I use it a lot. And he made me really think is like, it's redundant. If you're a leader, you're serving. And so I mentioned that whether it's a board or leadership teams that we work with in the past, the ones that are hardest to work with and the ones that really aren't leading are the ones that they're not serving, whether it's an organization, whether it's serving a community, they're there more for this is my position. Um, and this leads into maybe some common challenges of, of some of the teams. So let's touch on a couple of the common challenges. One is just too many people. If there's too many people on a team, and we talked about, you know, kind of eight being that outer limit. You know, if you can get four, five, six, seven, you know, in that six, seven zone, we think that's an ideal team. And sometimes you just, we have too many. So, and, and the reason that happens, sometimes it's a, it's a perk to be on the team or you have the fear of missing out and and you're afraid to offend people by not saying no to some. And, and so you have, oh, if they want to be on the team, maybe they won't be great for the team, but I don't want to offend them. They're on the team. Or there's lack of clarity on what the team is all about, 
lack of clarity of what makes a great team, lack of clarity on, you know, why someone would be on the team and why it'd be valuable to have someone on the team. So that all those lead into this, just flat out too many people on the team. And what happens sometimes is then when you're on that team, you're there representing your group. So you're, you're like, it's your division, your department, your apostolate. And you come in there and you're advocating for your other role, if you will, versus you're there and truly interested in the success overall. So too many people on the team is probably one of, it's probably, it, it might be the most common issue we run into, but it's definitely an issue that we got to think about. Yeah, it is. You know, I, Rick, when you were talking there, I just, it just occurred to me, like someone might be saying to themselves right now, listening to this, what does my leadership team do or what should we do? You know, and that might be really obvious to some, but just to be crystal clear on this, your leadership team and whatever organization you're leading or group you're leading, you're doing the work of that organization, right? I mean, it's very basic. So if you're a pastor at a parish, your leadership team is helping you lead everything in the parish, right? Doesn't mean you do everything, right? But you lead everything. You cast a vision and a strategy. You build culture. You, you know, especially in ministry right now, you cast a vision for evangelization and 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 build out a pathway for discipleship. You know, but it's it's the finances too. It's everything. Everything that is the work of the organization lands in your lap, and that's what the leadership team is going to do. And you know, shameless plug for the last three episodes of the Mission Guys, we just walked through the three essential principles. And that, that's, that would be what we would say, hey, you have pastor, bishop, you have a leadership team? Operate from these three essential principles in how you do what you do. Okay, that's probably enough said. So another common challenge is we are, sometimes we've noticed we're afraid to call it a leadership team. Maybe it's because we don't exactly understand what a leadership team is or what it's supposed to do. Sometimes we're afraid to offend people. Um, and, and sometimes these teams will end up like, a pastor will go out to say, hey, I'm going to develop a leadership team, and it ends up calling it an advisory team or a, an evangelization team instead. But the reason we want to really encourage you to call it like a leadership team or a strategic leadership team or a, a mission leadership team is because this group is so responsible for the entire mission, the entire body of work. Um, so that's we would, would encourage you, if you're feeling afraid or confused, get clear and be bold. Courage and wisdom are the two fundamentals to be able to do this well. And name it, and name it what it is. You yeah. don't need to be a fancy name. Name it what it is so the entire organization, the entire community understands what this group is. So let's let's talk about who should be on it. Who should be on your leadership team? Number one, you need great teammates. Nobody's automatically placed on the leadership team by their position only. And to be provocative, not even the bishop or the associate pastor or the pastor, now, I'm saying this to be intentional, that if, if you're a leader of the organization and you're not a great teammate, you need to change yourself because you're not going to help if you're not a great teammate. So you need to get people that are great teammates. And even if those who aren't really great yet, but you know they have that potential with some good coaching to be a teammate ASAP, then, then consider bringing them on. But nobody's automatically on the leadership team if they're not a great teammate. They've got to be able to take off their siloed hat if I'm the CFO, I don't come in and only be the CFO and only care about finances. It's I, I care about the whole thing, and good CFOs care about the whole entity. So I'm not saying CFOs only care about finances. So that's number one. You need a great teammate, and and it's 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 those who have an impact on one another. 
you know, they, that they impact each other well. So it's not just they work well with the leader. They work well with the bishop and they're good with the bishop. They need to work well with each other. So great teammates are, they bring more than simply their position and they can impact others positively. All right. So that's one. They're great teammates. So number two, they bring something you need on that leadership team. It could be a particular skill. It could be a type of thinking. It could be a perspective. It could be, in fact, their role, their position. They may lead a large part of the organization, a large part of the chancery. So they bring something you need to that leadership team. Uh, that That's great, Rick. It made me think uh, some uh, it's common in our work with pastors and, and bishops, like someone's in a key role that really needs to be on the team, but sometimes that person is not a great teammate. And that's when we have to have some tough conversations with ourselves first, with the people we do have that we trust, and then with that person to either coach them up, and please God, we can coach them up and get give them to be great teammates, or sometimes part ways. But it's so important that we don't just assign, oh, I really trust this person. Well, they don't bring a lot of value to the organization, or, oh, this person's in a great role. Yeah. Uh, they're not, they're, they're kind of toxic to the culture. You know, we have to really have both come together. Right. Um, and in making that selection, you know, it, that forces the discussions. If you decide not to have somebody who, by their role, would, like common sense-wise, be put on the team. If you don't, there's got to be discussions as to why. And that person, you got to start, don't just let it sit there then. There's a reason why that didn't happen. And the person needs to be a better teammate if that's the the, the issue or how they work together, how they perform their job. Yeah, it's so important. I, I, I think it's a, it's a great topic that we'll continue to break open in other episodes. There's so much in this one. That yeah. we just, I can feel it, the temptation to constantly jump on these tangents. Yep. So what makes a great team? What are some things that make a great team? Great teams are built in genuine friendship. doesn't mean they're your best friends, right? It doesn't have to be your best friends, but true friendship still should be is what makes a great team. You, you, should, you should be able to waste time together. It's, a, it's a kind of a, a funny way to say it. Time's so precious, we would never waste it except with those we love. We should grow, truly grow to love and have friends that we call our, our teammates, our leadership team. Another thing that makes a great team is clarity of purpose and mission. You know, uh, it's it's easy just to take the Great Commission and say, hey, that's the mission of the church. Let's go. But to really spend time chewing on what is the mission? What does that mean? How does it impact us? What's our strategy? You know, what what's the most important thing we're working on right now and who's going to do what to really walk through some clear clarity of mission and purpose things? And then the a third one would be the ability to have and, and do prayer together, real deep prayer, discerning what God wants you to do where he's calling the parish or your organization or your chancery to go, your diocese to go. And then the personal prayer needs, right? We need to be poured into one another to be able to pray with each other for our different needs and struggles we're having. Um, the ability to have great trust, you know, that real friendship piece, great conflict. You know, Pat Lencioni's five dysfunctions of a team is a fantastic uh, primer on what makes a great team. So conflict, ideological, passionate debate, the good kind of conflict that gives us great answers and allows us to commit to the decisions we're making as a team. We're not looking for consensus. Consensus and committees just don't really work, but teams, conflict and commitment do. And then a couple other things is accountability, that peer accountability. Rick, you're so good at talking about this with everybody we work with. It's not about, hey, I'm going to hold you accountable. I'm the boss, you know, and I'm going to tell you what to do, and I'm going to follow up with you and make sure you did it. No, no, no. It's that real friendship that says, gosh, I love my team. I love this family I'm a part of. And I don't want to let them down. So I'm going to work hard 
I'm going to be accountable to do what I said I'm going to do and what I've been asked to do. And then when we do this kind of stuff, we're going to just have tremendous fruit. Again, so much to talk about. We're going to break open Lencioni's work in another episode, but this is, this is the heart of great teams. So much we can talk about. And we intend to do that in our future episodes. We'll, we'll do some deeper dives on the first team concept, you know, that mindset of we're all on the first team, you're on that leadership team. You're, no matter your role, no matter, you know, who you are on that team, you're equally vested as the leader of the team on the success of the whole versus any individual unit. We'll talk about who should be on the team, a deeper dive on, on what makes a great teammate, a great team player. Uh, a deeper dive on the meeting structures. Great teams have great meetings. And so we'll talk about uh, how leadership shows up in meetings, how meetings can be actually enjoyable to go to. You mentioned the five dysfunctions. There's That's always helpful to, to deep dive in there. We'll talk about how you can build trust, to build more trust as a team, and, and really actually building love, to be able to love your teammates, which is a foreign concept to some. And then, and then the importance of prayer, the primacy of prayer, how a team can pray together in a more deliberate way in order to know the way to go, in order to know the work, in order to be able to do the work. Many, many opportunities moving ahead in our podcast, Nick. Great. So let's do the mission challenge for this week. Just first asking yourself the question, do I have a leadership team? So not a cabinet, not a committee, not just a, just a huge staff or a huge team. But do I have a leadership team? And if you have if you have one, great. We have some more reflection here for you. But if you don't have a leadership team, we want to ask you to ask yourself, ask the Lord, what's holding you back? You know, what's what's keeping me from building a leadership team or trying to go for it? Okay, the second part of the mission challenge. We've got a, a three-part mission challenge for you today. So the second part is for you as a leader. You might be the the overall leader or a member of the leadership team. Ask yourself, why am I on this team? What do I bring to the table on this team? Challenge yourself, self-reflect. Why am I on this team? What do I bring? And then the third part of this mission challenge is just this idea of, of having like a growth mindset, of continually cultivating your team. So, so asking yourself the question, how does your team operate right now? You know, you could be reading some things to get better as a team, to have new concepts and new ideas coming into you guys. You could be um, just thinking about, do, do we pray together? You know, do we really trust each other? There's some of the stuff in this uh, episode. How does the rest, another question, how does the rest of your organization, you know, if you're a parish, how does the rest of your parish team experience the leadership team? You know, are we, are, is, there, is there a big silo? Is there a big wall or divide between the leadership team and everybody else? I mean, that's, that's a common challenge. And God doesn't want that. He wants to break those walls down, right? Um, how are you guys doing together? Do you, do you trust each other? Do you, do you talk about the most important things? Do you... Do you really have a lot of joy? Do you look forward to being together? And then this last one is, um, what are you doing to get healthier, to get stronger? You know, do you take the time to self-evaluate and then say, okay, here's where we can grow and get even better? So a three-part mission challenge. The first one is to ask the question, do you have a leadership team? The second one is to you, you to reflect as a leader, why am I on this team? And the third one is continually cultivate the team. In many ways, you can go about doing that. But that mindset of continual cultivation, you got to be deliberate about cultivating this healthy team that becomes a family on mission. All right, Nick, with that, how about, how about I close us in prayer today? That was great. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. 
Come, Holy Spirit, move in power. Please bless every leader who is listening to this podcast. Fill them with wisdom and courage to lead. Send them the people to build their teams. Renew their minds in their current situation so that they can grow even beyond a great team to become a family on mission. Lord, we thank you for these leaders in the church. Be they a bishop, a pastor, a school superintendent, a mother, a father, leading apostolates. We thank you for these leaders. We know they're up against a great challenge, and yet we know that you've given them and us everything we need to lead your church and fulfill your mission as you've given to each of us uniquely. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the Father and of the Son. Holy Spirit, amen. So for those of you who tuned in, please, if you will, send reflections, questions, thoughts, reactions to uh, the mission guys at acts29.org. That's our email address for this podcast. The mission guys at acts29.org. All right. That's it for episode six. Go build your team.